Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I love the presence of God. You get in here, you just kind of, I get to sit there. That'd be good enough for me. Praise the Lord. Well, several weeks back, we started a, a, a series called Rescue. Rescue. And uh, this really is, you know, our first series of the year. And uh, something that's we're praying that will become big in everyone's heart. Because God wants to rescue humanity. And He wants to use His people to do it. Amen. He rescued us. If you're in here and Jesus is on the inside of you, He's rescued you. And there's others out there that are drowning in the sea of the world and they need rescued. We have, we have a boat called salvation in Jesus. And He helps us. He's the one that built the boat just like He did in, in Noah's day. He gave Noah the instructions and that boat was able to endure all that was to come against it. And we're here now. Jesus is our salvation, and we're out, we're treading the waters of this world looking for those who are drowning in their sins so that we can help rescue them. Throw the life preserver. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Throw that life preserver out. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. The moment that you get saved, you become, you are reconciled to be a reconciler. The moment that you are saved, you are rescued to be a rescuer. The moment that you are delivered, you were delivered to help the Lord to use you to be a deliverer. Whatever it is, whatever He has done in you, He's given you the ability to be that extension of that to others. Amen. People need rescued. And as we've learned over the last several, several weeks, everybody needs rescued. Everybody. There's people that don't know Jesus that are out there. They need rescue. They need, they need to hear about the God who has saved us. How good, how kind. There's so many people out there that think God is some kind of a tyrant. He is a loving, heavenly, benevolent Father. He is full of joy. He don't sit up on His throne with a scowl. Right? He's not looking down on humanity and just disgusted with everything. He's looking down with eyes of a loving heavenly father who wants to see his, his wayward sons and daughters come back to him. Amen? And he'll use those who are in the fold to do it. So once, you know, there's those that aren't saved, they need to be rescued. But even when we get saved, we still need to be rescued. There's things that, you know, you, you've heard, uh, however it came about, I don't know who coined it or whatever like that, but, you know, God uh, delivered Israel from Egypt... But then Egypt had to be delivered from Israel. So we get delivered from sin, but then we have to learn how to walk in the light so that we can have the sin that is in our nature to be delivered from it, that it has no more power over us. Amen. And the title of the message this morning is Rescue Me. Rescue Me. Colossians chapter 1, if you've got your Bible... You can follow along on screen. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. Um, it's good to flip through your own, your own Bible. You can see it from the one that you're familiar with looking at. It's good to have your Bible. I know if you've got your Bible app, that's okay too. Uh, but be looking. Colossians 1, 13, we started the series off with this. For He, talking about God the Father, He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He rescued us from the authority of 
or the kingdom of darkness. And he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's Jesus. He rescued us from the domain, the authority, the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. That's a good place to shout. You know, we're, we've been delivered. If Christ is on the inside of you, we have been delivered from sin. It no longer has the hold that it had before Christ came on the scene. Because he broke the power of sin for anyone who will believe. Come on, I need some help preaching this morning. Where's all the priests and the prophets out there? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we, we've been watching this uh, uh, on uh, Netflix uh, um, it's kind of, we have regular TV, but you know, we just kind of like watching kind of the old episodes and stuff like that, whatever. But it, it came out, it's called The Crown. Anybody ever seen that, hear that, see that, whatever? Um, <laughs> it's a pretty good, it, it's kind of, it's going into history because it shows how Queen Elizabeth came into power at such a young age in her 20s. And there's a lot of, hist, you know, history in it. It's very political too. You can see, you know, how the country's being ran and everything and the stuff that's kind of going on behind the scenes. But it's very interesting. I like history and I, uh, just things that are kind of based on a true story. I don't know if everything in there is true, but one of the last episodes that we watched, her husband, who was the Duke of whatever, um, uh, Philip, he was the Duke and, and he eventually became, he got the title of a prince, but uh, he was out on, on the Queens for the Queen. Uh, she couldn't go, but they wanted uh, someone from royalty to start the Olympics at that time. This is back in whatever, the 50s. And uh, he went in her stead. Now, of course, they didn't have, I mean, they did have planes, but maybe they couldn't go as far as they uh, were able to go, you know, now, I don't know. Um, but he was on a ship and just gone for like five months, going di different, visiting different places and, and just kind of representing the queen. And, and they came across a distress call when they're on, on the ship. And the distress call was for uh, someone, the boat had, was damaged, it was sinking. All the crew members were, were, were deceased except for one. It was the captain that was still alive. And uh, they were the closest ship, so they went to rescue this man that was on this sinking ship. And they brought him on board, and the captain of the ship said, we'll drop him off at our next stop. And the prince said, no, we'll take him back to his own homeland, where he's at, where he's from. And he said, no, we're tight for schedule. We're just going to drop him off at another place. And he said, no, you know, I'm the prince. This is, we're doing this mission for, for royalty, and we're going to take him back because what good is it to drop him off somewhere away from his family with a language that he don't know, people he don't know, far away, he don't even know where he's at. We're going to take him back. You know, and God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light, not just to come into the light, but for us to be changed. What good is it to be rescued and not to have change? Right? I mean, this man, he could have been on some, he's alive, but the rest of his life, I don't know what it was like, you know, back then, the 40s and 50s and and getting around here or there, you know, been totally away from his family. And the reunion was awesome. When they took him back, they stayed there. Boy, they celebrated the prince and, you know, everybody that was on the crew. They celebrated them bringing this lost son back to them, his family, everybody. They just had a big old party. 
as much as you can for a tribal, tribal thing, right? Amen. But it was good. It was good to see that. And God's word said he rescued us or he delivered us, but then he transferred us. He changed us. He changed the kingdom. It's no longer the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of light. And he wants us to learn how to walk in the light. So one of the things I want you to remember today is this. Being rescued is a one-time event and a continual process. Being rescued is a one-time event and a continual process. I'm going to read you a couple scriptures, and then we'll get into a couple points that I want to give you. Galatians 5.19 says this, Paul speaking, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Here Paul's saying, you know, he's really interceding. He's like, I feel like I'm going through labor pains again. What does he mean again? When he went to, to Galatia and he began to minister the word of God in that area for the very first time, he was interceding that they would come to know Jesus Christ, that they would be born from above, that they would experience salvation through faith in the only way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And he prayed and interceded for them. And their eyes were open, their ears were open, and they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then they begin to go through some turmoil because some other teachers came in and begin to teach things that are contrary to the teachings of Christ. And he comes back and he says, I am going in labor pains again. You came into the kingdom. Now you need to be fully matured. You need to be delivered, rescued completely from the power of sin that is within you. Amen? There's a birthing into the kingdom of Christ and there's also a birthing into the image of Christ. We get birthed into his kingdom. And then there's a birthing process of becoming like him, into his image. Paul said it will continue. I'm going to continue to grow and I'm going to continue to have labor pains until you are fully developed in Christ in your lives. Romans 6.10 says this, When he, Jesus, died, he died once. He died once for this, to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. He died once to break the power of sin. He broke the power of sin for anyone who believe. But now he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. God delivered you from the power of sin through the death of Christ on the cross, and he continually transforms you into his image through the power of the resurrected Christ within. That's the continual process of becoming more like him. James said this in James 1.21, Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. He's not talking to sinners here. He's talking to the church. He's talking to those who have been born again. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. 
Humbly accept. God planted his word within your heart, but you have to humbly accept it so that it can have its way within your life. You've heard me say this many times. It just always comes over and over again. Something the Lord spoke to me years ago when I was a youth pastor. If you take a hold of the word of life, the life in the word will take a hold of you. If you're, if you're in Christ, Christ is living on the inside of you. His word is on the inside of you, but you have to take a hold of that word for it to manifest in your life. It just don't happen. Just because you got a Bible on your shelf doesn't mean you're going to know God anymore. You've got to get into the word. You've got to read the word. You've got to study the word. You've got to show to show yourself approved. Studying to show yourself approved. Before who? Not before any of us, before God. Amen. That we're going to walk in a manner that's worthy of Him. There is a power that is ready to be released on the sons and daughters who will choose to walk in the image of the resurrected Christ. Amen. It's, not, it's not being, you know, uh, God loves this person more than this person. Nothing like that. It's those who choose to become, I'm willing to die to everything in my life to become more like you, Heavenly Father, so that I can represent you well in the earth amen hallelujah he said get rid of it that means throw it off cast it away jesus broke the power of of sin over our lives now we need to cast that lifestyle away it's it's been broken before there was no choice you couldn't cast it away it was it the power was still there there was such influence there you couldn't do anything about it until christ came and he died for the sins of humanity and at that moment the power of sin was broken Hallelujah. Broken. It's just a turning to him. It's like, you know, you've heard the analogy of being in a prison cell and the doors are locked. Christ came. He died. He rose again. That's been unlocked, but you're still in the prison cell. And all we have to do is just open the cell to come on out. No more of this. I'm going to the sunshine. Amen. Get rid of it. Accept the word of Christ or the word of God that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. It has the power to save your souls. The, the um, Passion Translation says this, it has the power to continually deliver you. <laughs> I like that. Because if you study this out, it has the power to save your soul, the word of God inside of you. It's a twofold thing. It's just not for salvation. It is for salvation coming out of sin, but it is also getting those, that sin nature in you out. The power of sin over you broken. Now the lifestyle that we used to live, now we're getting rid of those things as we continually walk in the light. The darkness within will dissipate. Amen? So God delivered us from darkness, but now we have to learn how to walk in the light. And I want to give you three things today, three things to help you understand the process of, of being continually rescued. The first one is this. I'm telling you what, these three points, if, you, if you'll get a hold of these, this will help in the process because we, we beat ourselves up, we get the woe is me mentality, all these things that keep us from walking in the fullness and walking in with confidence, and God wants his people to walk in confidence in this end time. We are his children in this earth that he created to do his will with his power and his authority. And we want to learn to walk in it even greater, to become a greater understanding of, of all the rights that he has given us, not for ourselves, but that we may represent him well and that his kingdom may advance. 
Amen? So the first one is this, this continual rescuing process. Everyone's faith gets tested. Everyone's faith gets tested. Look at your neighbor and say, mm-hmm. Your faith is going to get tested. It don't matter who you are. Them too? Yep. Everyone's faith is going to get tested. And I want to use 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as kind of our, our main scripture here as we go forward. This is actually the first scripture that the Lord activated in my life. The first scripture I ever put faith on, you know, in reading the word um, to see manifestation and to be rescued after salvation in my life. It says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Now, this word temptation here, it means test. It means to make proof of. It means to be under trial. You know, God wants to prove our faith in Him. It will get proved. It will get proved. Now, next week I'm going to deal more with the things that are in our lives that um, need, to be, need to be rescued from and how to, how to walk out those things. But I want to talk to you about this process today to kind of set us up. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Another translation says this, um, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Another translation says, we all experience times of temptation, which is normal for every human being. So these things that we're going through, these testings, they're, they're no different. It's common and it's normal for every human being. Everybody's faith will get tested. You're not standing alone. You're not being picked on. You're being tested. Even Jesus was tested. Matthew 4.1 says this. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Afterward, after being baptized, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal His strength against the accuser. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. Anybody going through some ordeals today? That's right. It's having the, the proper mindset of what's going on. Everybody is going to get tested. We are, none of us are above being tested. If we are not tested, we could even say that we're not part of God's kingdom. We're going to be tested. Amen? Listen to that. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to a place of testing so that he could prove his strength within him against the accuser, Satan. The Gospel of Mark says that same account this way. It's a little more, a little more forceful. Mark says this, the Holy Spirit compelled him to go. Compelled is, is a forceful state. It compelled to force. Now, it's not talking, you know, he, the Holy Spirit didn't, you know, uh, make Jesus, but it was like the promptings on him to go into the wilderness, into seclusion, to be by himself with just the Father and to be, to be tested by the enemy 
was so strong in him, Jesus wanted to obey, he obeyed. It can almost feel, there's times when the Holy Spirit wants you to do something, it can almost feel like he is forcing you to do it. But he won't make you do it. But the impression of his influence on your life is so strong, he's saying this is very important that you do. I, I remember ex uh, experiencing this actually here in this area whenever I was a traveling minister. I was in um, further, I guess, out towards Wadena and, 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 and that way and ministering at a church. And uh, as I was there, the Holy Spirit wanted me to do something. And he, wanted, he said, I'm going to give you a tongue and then I'll give you the interpretation. He says, I want, you to, I want you to give a tongue and then I'll give you the interpretation. I'm like, okay. Hmm. Okay, that's kind of... Alrighty. And I was a little nervous because before, before I was there for a couple nights and before I came in, the pastor said, just so you know, we don't believe in tongues here. <laughs> Holy Spirit will lead you to the place of testing. And I was like, all right, Lord, did you remember, was you in the office whenever the pastor told me that? You know? <laughs> and this is the first time I felt, I, I literally felt like the Holy Spirit was hovering right above me. And this is what he said. He says, are you going to be obedient or do I depart? And I, I wanted, these people needed God. Everyone, we all need the Lord. God wanted to do something. I don't even know the fullness of what God all did there that night. But the same thing, God wanted to do something. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll do it. Because I don't want you to leave. If you leave, I'm leaving too. So I closed my eyes. That way nobody could see me. <laughs> right? Everybody goes away. <laughs> and I began to, to give, give a tongue as the Holy Spirit was giving me. And then he gave me the interpretation. And I can still remember parts of the interpretation today. It was like I saw a vision of, of the Lord or just kind of an image. The Lord standing on the mountaintop and reaching down his hands and, and wailing and just saying how much he longed for his people to come up to the mountain to be with him. And he was doing everything. He just reached his hand. But you've got to take my hand. And I remember as I was giving it, I was weeping. And when I opened my eyes, I mean, a lot of the church that was there from young to old, just a lot of people were weeping and crying. God was doing something. He was doing something beyond what I could see with my natural eye. It, was kind of, it felt kind of forceful. But I wanted to be obedient to God. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He was compelled, Mark said. Another translation says this. Uh, in the Amplified, it says, the Holy Spirit drove him. The Message Bible, I love this one. The Holy Spirit pushed him out into the wilderness. Very compelling. Very, the Holy Spirit wants to do something. Kind of reminds me of, you know, eagles. I remember hearing the story of eagles where uh, when it's time for the eaglets to learn how to fly, the mother eagle will just push them out of the nest. How do you like that? Right? It's time to fly. It's time to grow up. Time to get out of the nest. A little nudge. Oh, mom wants to love a little bit. Hey! Right? But the mom just don't stand up there and like, whoop. Sorry, George. We got to make another one. <laughs> That's not what they do. The eagles, they're, they're watching they got it timed out. God put this in them, so they got it timed out, so they're watching the eagle, and if it don't spread its wings in time, it darts down from the nest and, and catches the, the, uh, the eagle and brings it to the ground. Then it grabs it by the talons, 
It brings it back up again. And this, it don't stop. It's not like one time, you're like, oh my gosh, forget it. No, it continues to do this until that bird flies. The process continues over and over again until that bird opens up its wings and lets the wind underneath grab a hold. And whoo, wait a second. The Holy Spirit wants to push you out. You get tested in your faith. God wants you to be tested, and you will be tested because He wants you to soar. He wants you to go higher. He wants you to go to places that you'll never be able to go, even no matter how high the nest is, and you see a lot of things in that nest. Oh, this is good, man. I'm glad I'm not down there. But man, when you get your wings, you can see like, wow, my nest is way down there. Look how much I can see from this perspective. God wants to take us up. Amen. Everyone's faith gets tested. God will test you in order to reveal where your trust is and his strength. The Holy Spirit will compel you, drive you, and even push you out into faith so you can soar. Everyone gets tested. Number two. You have to pass the test to get to what comes next. You have to pass the test to get to what comes next. God has something next for you. He has something next for you. But you have to pass the test of your faith, wherever it is at, whatever testing the Lord may be doing in your life right now, God wants you to pass that test so that you can soar to what comes next. Amen? James chapter 1, verse number 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres or endures under trial or testing. For once he has been approved, that word proved means this, once he has passed the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, this is one of those scriptures that yes, it's talking about salvation, it's talking about what comes after this life. Once we pass the test of this life of having faith in Him, there will be a crown, there will be rewards for us in the presence of God for having lived faithfully in this earth. But there's also a prophetic uh, mention here, as the Lord was showing me. He said, uh, you know, un if you persevere under trial, you're blessed. For once you have been approved or once you pass the test, you will receive the crown of life. That crown represents kingdom. It represents authority. You will receive authority to reign in life over sin. I don't think you got that. Once you pass the test of your faith, of putting your trust and your hope and your reliance on God, whatever it is that may be tested right now, once you pass that test, you are given the authority to reign over that. You don't reign over it until you pass the test. Jesus reigns over it. And as you pass the test, He gives you His authority to reign over it because you were obedient and faithful to trust in His strength. You reign in life. There's a scripture like that in Romans. I think it's Romans 5, 17. We put our faith in Christ. We will reign as kings in the earth. Amen? Are you with me? But we got to go through some pressure at times. We've got to learn how to handle the pressure at times. Proverbs 24.10 says this, If you faint under pressure, your strength 
And that word strength means your force or your capacity or your ability is limited. But you know what? It's funny. God is not, you know, we go through things, we'll go through testings, and every single one of us, we're not going to pass every test that comes our way. Did you hear me? You're not going to pass every test that comes your way. You're going to have to take some tests over again. And maybe over again. And maybe over again. And in some areas, if you're hard-headed like me in some areas, maybe again and again and again. But the point is this, you won't pass, until you pass the test, you won't go to what comes next. And God is, He loves you so much that He'll, he'll, he'll school you, He'll help you, and so you can pass that test, so you can come to what comes next. But it's the test that comes that shows where really His strength is on the inside of us. It shows us where we are without Him or where really His strength is on the inside of us. And it's not a put down, but it can be a clarity moment to say, wait a second here, I need more of you in my life in this area. I need, okay, I need to refocus on this, or I can see where I've been trusting in this instead of trusting in you. There needs to be adjustments. Amen? If you faint under pressure, your strength, your force, your capacity, or your ability is limited. And I was once prophesied over... And the prophet said this to me, sometimes God will lead you into places to prove that you can't so that he can prove that he can. Amen. We're very prideful people. We really are. I can do it myself. I can, do, I, can, I can get her done. Don't you worry about it. I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm good. I can get her done. Strong enough. And then something comes and we, and we fail. We fall underneath the load, and we need Him. You know, my salvation, the night I got saved, I didn't say a sinner's prayer in a sense like, you know, repeating anything. It was just me and Jesus on the beach of Daytona, and I cried out to Him, what do you want from me? I knew it. the Holy Spirit was moving in my life, and He didn't answer that. <laughs> in the silence, I said, you know what? I don't care. I just can't do it on my own anymore. I need you and whatever that means and whatever that looks like i want you that's it we've got to come to our own and realize we need jesus we need him james says this in james 1 oh before i say that let me say this it's not just about enduring you know god just don't want us to endure we talked about you know the blesses the man who perseveres and endures it's not just about enduring and saying, oh, we were strong, you know, we made it through this or that. It's also about enjoying. He wants us to enjoy his fellowship through the whole thing, whatever we're going through. We, we know the teacher, but just because we know the teacher doesn't mean we're going to get any special treatment. Everyone has to pass the test, and everyone will be tested. James 1, 2 says this, When it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties... See if I hear anybody. <sighs> when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. When your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you. What power is in you? 
It's His power. It stirs up His power within you to endure all things. Hallelujah. That's why you can count it joy. When we go through difficult times, if I'm keeping the right attitude, if I'm keeping my perspective right, if I'm staying in joy, Jesus himself, he had to go through a lot on, through the cross, and we will never know what it was like to carry the sins of all the world on his flesh, in his own body, the whipping and the torture that he went through mentally, physically, spiritually. We'll never know like he did. He did it for us. But the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was the joy that helped him endure, the joy of what was before him, being obedient to the Father and knowing that through this obedience, he was going to open a door that anybody could walk through if they would believe to come back to the Father. That was the joy before him. It helped him endure. Satan tried to take his life the night uh, before the, the crucifixion in the garden, trying to take his life. He says he was, he was you know, sweating like drops of blood. Some scholars believe that you know, he was even having you know, the beginnings of a heart attack, things that are going on because of the stress. And the devil wanted to take him out early. Don't get to the cross because the curse has to be hung on a tree. But Jesus endured through all the whipping and everything, carrying his own cross to Golgotha for the joy set before him. And no one placed him on the cross he put himself. Amen? For the joy set before him. Joy adds fuel to your faith to produce the divine endurance you need to live life as an overcomer. Joy adds fuel to your faith to produce the divine endurance that you need to live life as an overcomer. Joy is the attitude of your faith. You know, our faith will be more active and more potent uh, and effective if, number one, we're doing it in love. Whatever it is we're doing, we're believing in love and we're believing with joy. Amen? It's going to help us out. Number three, first one, everyone gets tested. Number two, you have to pass a test to get to what comes next. Number three, God is faithful. This takes us back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The testings or the temptations in your life are no different. They're common. They're normal. From every other experience, of the other's experience, everyone gets tested. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And the scripture goes on to say two things in his faithfulness. Number one, he will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able. This is the goodness of God. He's faithful to you that in the testing, he will not allow you to be tested or tempted beyond your ability to withstand. Come on now. He knows if you're, if you're not ready at that moment to pass that test completely, he's going to give you a way out. Not to never have to do it, but so that you can endure. That's the second part. He'll not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, with that testing, he will provide the way of escape. One translation says he'll provide an exit. Another translation says he will provide the door to get out so that you'll be able to endure. 
Now, talking testings and temptation, you know, the devil, when he brings a test or he brings a temptation, it's in order to make you fall. When God brings a, a, a testing into your life, it's so that you can stand tall. Come on. The devil wants to make you fall. God wants you to stand tall. And the devil knows when you're standing tall. Because when you submit to God and then you resist the devil, he knows when you're submitted to God because there is a power behind you. You may be purring like a little kitty, but there is a lion behind you growling. Right? Hallelujah. And the devil knows. Thank you, Jesus. Remember the Lion King? Whenever um, the little guy, I forget his name right now, Simba, there you say. When Simba's there and he, he runs down, he's trying to take on these hyenas. He went to where he wasn't supposed to go, into the, the skeleton graveyard of the elephants. And he's down there in the hyenas, and he was all thinking he was all that in a pack of chips. And they, they're coming against him, and he roared. It's a little cracky, like going through puberty. And then he did it again, and all of a sudden, he felt it was coming from him. It was Mufasa behind him. And all the hyenas took off, and he was like, whoa. And they looked around and saw daddy. Dad. <laughs> Devil knows when you're submitted to God. With every temptation, God will provide, always provide an open door for escape. Here's the key. But you have to look for the door. And you have to choose to walk through it. The door is always there. If you're going through something right now and you feel like you're at your end, trust me, if you are at your end, God, God would know. If you, you know, there has to be a stretching. He'll always stretch us beyond what we were stretched before so that we can have more. It's uncomfortable to be stretched, but God wants more for us. Amen? He'll always, if, if it's to your limit, all you got to do is look up and focus and ask, okay, Jesus, you are the door. You're the way, the truth, the life. You're the only way in. Where's the door? Let me see the door. And you ask for that door, and he'll show you the door, the way to get out of whatever it is. For me, this was at a time I got saved, and I was still uh, uh, addicted to drugs, and, and I lived with a, a bunch of guys, and we shared a, a, a place, and everybody, you know, we all had just parties and things that were going on, and I... I I, I knew the Lord, and I was coming to know Him more, but I struggled with this addiction in my life. And uh, I came across that scripture as I read the Word, and so I, I, I tested that scripture. When it came down in times of temptations of being around my friends at that time, because I couldn't just move out, I didn't have the money, I just moved from another place to a different place, and was just looking for the right opportunities to get out, asking the Lord for that. And I said, Lord, you said you would not allow me to be tempted be, be more than I can stand, but you would provide a way of escape. And I am so tempted right now to go back into this lifestyle. I'm so tempted. There's a couple times I slipped up, never without conviction. I was like, God, I, I, you said, Lord God, and, I, and I, I brought his word back to him. You said you would not allow me to be tempted more than I can stand, and I about can't stand it. And I remember, I don't even know what happened for for whatever reason, the thought came into my mind that was like, you have to go back to your bedroom. And I was just like, okay. And I mean, I was like right to the point where I was about to just in, indulge what they were indulging in. And I just like, I'll be back. And I went back to my bedroom. And I got back there and literally I got back and I was like, I don't even know why I came back here. I was like, why did I come back here? God knew why I came back. That was the door. As simple as it was just to get out of the moment. That helped me to endure not to give in. And now, 
that's not part of my life anymore. Anybody could bring any form of drug or whatever before me and, and say, hey, do you want some of this? I'd be like, no. There's no temptation there anymore. It was once a part of me. Now it is not a part of me. I've been totally rescued from that. Boo. It's nothing anymore. There's no temptation there. The devil can't tempt me in that area anymore because I've passed the test. And I moved on to what was next. Amen. Father, we just rejoice in you. We thank you, Father, for the knowledge of knowing, even as as difficult as it can be at times, every one of us will be tested. Our faith in you will be tested. But we're not alone. You're with us. You're with us and you'll help us, you'll tutor us.